you for joining me on episode 84 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular Midwest girl trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And you and I, we were created to know God and make him known. And we do that through how God uniquely created us. And God uniquely created Ann Mackey with a desire for speech. As an accent coach, she is connecting with people from all over the world and helping them connect with each other through speech and proves that you do not have to be an overseas missionary to reach out to the nations for Jesus. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast, where we travel to Kansas with Anne Mackey. She is a wife, mom, award-winning therapist. She is a speech language coach and pathologist, and she is helping people from all over the world uh, with their speech. And Anne, I just am so grateful to have you today. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. This is a real honor. I I find what you do very fascinating, the fact that you call yourself an accent coach. And we're going to get to that in in a moment. But first, I want to know more about you and really your Jesus testimony. So, So just tell me more about you. Okay. Well, I actually grew up in Illinois, and I have always been part of a Christian family. And I married 40 years ago now, if you can believe that, uh, to my husband, Craig, who comes from a very um, Christian family as well. His mother, his mother was the sixth child, the only girl of um, his grandparents, and that his grandfather was a Lutheran minister, and all the four brothers ahead of her ended up being Lutheran ministers. Oh, wow. And then her name, her name is Evangeline. So nice. <laughs> it's kind of a. Uh, you know, a a strong Christian background for both of us. Anyway, so I've always grown up as a Christian, believing in Jesus and all, but actually the last two years or so has been, I think, very special for both me and my husband and our marriage, because even though we were Christians and we pray separately, we never really did much of the praying together. And he said two years ago, 38 years into our marriage, he's like, you know, I really think it would be great if we start praying together. I burst into tears like, do you know how long I've been waiting for this? <laughs> you know, and so it was so touching. And uh, now every night we pray together, and we are seeing miracles happen and great things, healing, other things happening uh, through people that we pray for, and it's just wonderful. I've also been really interested in. I follow some people, social media people and others that talk about power and authority that we have, that we are not taught that we have. Mm. So I'm just exploring that right now. And I kind of love that topic. Like Jesus had the power and authority and he gave it to his disciples and to us that we may have the ability to bless more people with God's power coming through us than we know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at looking into that. So I'm following, uh, I don't know if you know who Praying Medic is, but He's a, he was a, um, an EMT guy, and so he traveled around, you know, helping people who'd been in car accidents and whatever. Absolute atheist. And some years ago, maybe it was 10 or more years ago, God just spoke to him in an ambulance and said, if you will pray over your patients, I will heal them. And so his journey then has developed since then, and he's got some books. One of them, a recent one, is Power and Authority Made Simple. So I'm reading that book, and I'm just thinking, wow, look at what God did with his life. I mean, absolutely an atheist 
to now a big believer, and he quotes all the scripture. It's all in the Bible, the power and the authority we have, but we we aren't taught that generally in our religion. And and what's crazy is, and some people think that that's a bad thing of, what do you mean we have the same power as Jesus? Is that sacrilegious? Well, when you look at the New Testament, what were Peter and John doing after Jesus went to heaven? They were laying hands on the sick and they were healing. I mean, that was the same power that Jesus had. And what's crazy is that God can use wherever he has called us in that same way. And that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I find your job so fascinating is that God can use your job and your passion for speech to uh, bring the power of Jesus to people. That's right. And you call yourself an American accent coach. Now, explain mm-hmm. to me what that is, because I've never heard of it before. <laughs> well, it's becoming more and more common, actually. More and more people are kind of embracing this specialty mm. um, of helping those who do speak English with an accent. Actually, we all have an accent of some sort or another, a regional accent. Um, I'm not hearing you do much of the the Uper, you know, Upper Michigan. Yeah, I'm in the, lo- I'm in the lower <laughs> peninsula, so yeah, I, yeah. We, we are like two completely different states, even though there that's, were that's one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, that kind of Minnesota, you know, the O's know. from Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and all that. So every region has kind of its own dialect, which is a, a mini version of an accent in the same language. But we have so many people, of course, in the United States, our melting pot, who have come to the U.S. to work and live, and they do speak English, and they speak it fluently well, but because of the influence of their native language, they have an accent in English. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's experienced this, I know, if they're having trouble with their you know, telephone or their computer or whatever, you call in for support, and often you're patched through to a call center that may be in India or it may be in the Philippines or whatever. And though you have absolute respect for those people and their ability to speak English, it feels like they're not speaking English because you can't understand their speech sounds. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. That's the accent. And it's completely normal that, you know, you, you just are born as a baby and you hear those native language rhythms and speech sounds and patterns intonation, all of that, and that becomes kind of hardwired in your brain, never really leaves you, and then when you learn a second language, that has different sounds and different speech patterns and rhythms and intonation, so the overlay of the first language on top of the second language, that mixture is what an accent is, and many people can have excellent listening skills and just immerse themselves in television shows or or conversations with native speakers and they can acclimate and change their speech pronunciation to sound more like a native speaker and be understood. But there are many, once they're adults and they've come and they've learned this language and been immersed in the U.S., they don't know what to change. All they know is they have an accent, and it's so frustrating that they have to repeat and repeat and repeat because nobody is understanding their messaging. Okay, so you almost kind of answered my next question Uh, on your website you say that you help accented professionals move from fear and frustration to speaking with ease and confidence well the first thing i need to know is what is an accent professional and really how exactly are you helping them with their fear and frustration 
Mm-hmm. So I just refer to those people who do speak English fluently and are working in a career in the U.S. or wherever. Um, they are speaking English all the time, and they are fluent with, like, the meaning, the, the vocabulary, the grammar, all that. That's fine. But they speak with that accent. That's what I'm calling an accented professional. Okay. So those are the folks that are feeling that. They're really sometimes emotionally very scared to speak, um, depending on their personality, because they just, they're anxious, they don't want to make a mistake, they're kind of a perfectionist, but they know they're not going to say it right, so they just hide out and, you know, don't speak to anybody because, uh, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed or angry or frustrated or cause that in another person listening. So um, anyway, so they they struggle with with really speaking um, confidently. But once they know, what I do is I go in and I teach them the how to, quote-unquote, sound American, more American, not to eliminate their accent. I love accents. I want them to keep their accent. That's a unique part of them. But to polish their accent so they sound a little more like a native speaker. And that involves, like, the rhythm. Like, you'll, you'll hear... We, we don't think about this because we're native speakers, but you'll hear when you're taught that we tend to emphasize, and I'm going to do this right now as I'm speaking, we tend to emphasize one meaningful word in a short phrase or thought group. And then we pause, and then we do another phrase, and we emphasize an important word there. That rhythm of stringing all the words together, connected speech, then pausing, then another, then another, with that voice inflection is part of what helps us sound American. So I teach them that, and I teach them the vowels, exactly how to pronounce the vowels of American English and the consonants. Most always, a non-native speaker of English will not have, like, say, the TH sound in their language. So they'll substitute a different sound, a D or an, a D or a T or an S or a Z. And that changes the word to a completely different word. Mm-hmm. So that, that gets difficult for the listener to really understand what they're saying in a fairly fast paced conversation. So we end up lost. And so do they, because they don't understand us either. A lot of the time, kind of crazy, but yeah. they don't understand casual English. So uh, just to give a quick example of that. So when you and I are talking, we're comfortable, casual, talking back and forth. And I might say to you, um, not this way, what are you doing on Friday night? Instead, I would say, what are you? Yes. What are you? Yes. What are you doing on Friday night? And Mm -hmm. they don't understand what that is. (laughs) Yes. So we have to be aware, too, you know. That we have to change things to be clear. I'll tell you what, though. Now that we're talking, I'm, I'm my senses are a little heightened now. I'm a little uh, not uncomfortable. What's the word that I'm looking for? Maybe a little anxious now because I'm like, oh, she judging my speech. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so many people say I'm that. I'm like so not correctly. judging you. <laughs> no. Oh, funny. So yeah, your, I, your, everybody gets that way. Yeah, I'm sure they do around you, so they have to learn to relax. <laughs> Now, on your website, you talk about that for the person, the accented professional, that there is an elephant in the room. Is that elephant the fear and frustration, or is it just the accent itself? What do you mean by the the accented professional as an elephant in the room? Yeah, so what I mean is it's not actually the professional, but it's the situation. The situation, the elephant in the room, is that, Here we are, maybe we're at a global company and we're having a conference and there's 
eight people around a table, and one is a native speaker. Everyone else is speaking English, but they're all from different countries. Okay, what we're, the elephant in the room is we can't understand each other. Mm. They can't understand you. You can't understand them. The accented speaker from Taiwan is not understanding the accented speaker from India. And so there's this big problem or elephant in the room that no one's addressing because they don't know the solution and they don't want to embarrass people and they don't want to, you know, put someone on the spot or whatever. So we just keep pretending we're understanding when it becomes more and more clear we're not understanding. The response like doesn't fit what that person just said. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping to bring light to this that we all struggle to understand each other. But if we all kind of come closer together, like we, we make a conscious effort and awareness to be clear when we speak and like the native speaker maybe doesn't use as much slang, doesn't use as much of the casual English if they're speaking to someone who's struggling to understand them. But then the, the accented person who is from India or China or wherever, maybe they work to polish their pronunciation and speech sounds so that they're sounding, they're making the words they say sound like real words to us and not a substitute word. Mm-hmm. Like someone could say to me, I need to put on my goat. And I'm thinking, goat, why do you need a goat? Bah, you know, right. <laughs> you, need, you need your coat. So it's just like sound substitutions like that. Or bless their hearts, vowels are the challenge for the non-native speaker. They're trying to say things like, I like the beach, but it comes out, I like the bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I did not mean to say that. Or, right. you know, I, I like that sheet, comes out shit. So yeah. they really struggle with embarrassment and other things. But if we polish those vowels, consonants, and the way they sound, like the rhythms and everything, then we're all approximating kind of the center of the circle. Everybody can understand everybody because we're speaking in more of a standard pronunciation. See, and I never would have guessed that the person with the accent was struggling or frustrated or maybe embarrassed or felt like there was this elephant in the room. And I think it's because in America, we are fascinated by accents and we are fascinated from uh, people from other countries and we love other cultures. And I was listening to a comedian once and he was from, his family's from India and his family really wanted him to marry an Indian woman because they wanted to keep with the culture. And he's like, no, if you want to keep with the culture, marry a white woman because she will be obsessed with the culture and she'll be wearing the sari to the grocery store and you know (laughs) all the things. And I was like, you know, that is so true. Just we in America, we have a fascination and a love for other cultures. So in my mind when I meet someone and I'm talking to someone with a different accent I'm more enthralled with how they're saying things than thinking oh they're probably embarrassed right now so that's something I never would have thought of yeah right well and of course they don't want to call attention to the fact that they're embarrassed or whatever so you might hear someone who speaks with an accent but they might not chat very much. They might not engage very much. They might be super quiet. The mistake that many accented speakers will make, you know, they mean well, but they they think I'm, this is a struggle. They're not going to understand me. So I'm just going to speak very quietly and very fast. 
And it's like, I won't have an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, that's exactly the opposite. Now they neither did they hear what you said, <laughs> nor did they understand it because you spoke so quickly. So we have to kind of unlearn some of those compensation things they think they're using to get through this tough moment mm-hmm. of someone not understanding them. But also, you know, physicians are another classic example. We have like one in every four, one in every five of our physicians are international medical graduates. So they're, they've learned in their home country about medicine. Then they come here and they do some further testing or further uh, studies and testing and do internships and, and residencies and so forth here in the U.S. And, you know, I know you could think of five people right now who say they love their physician, but they sure don't understand anything he said at that cardiology appointment or that internal medicine appointment. Mm -hmm. They tend to be in specialties, but sometimes family practice. And my mission is out there to, I have a background in medical speech language pathology. So I've worked in hospitals and head injury clinics and nursing homes. And I'm very familiar with much of the medical terminology. So my passion at this moment is to really um, help medical graduates who are accented, they're, they're in school still, or they're coming into practice, uh, their practice, and they are wanting to grow their business, they're wanting to really help people, they've got wonderful hearts, great intelligence, and yet they lose patients sometimes that will go to a different practice because everyone wants to understand what your doctor is saying right. to you, right. and they don't know what to change, so mm-hmm. I'm there to help now, I've also seen Americans with, well, what I would call a regular accent, and they converse with someone who is maybe from Germany or France, and so they have that European accent. And then the American tries to have that accent as well because they think that that European will understand them when, in fact, the European doesn't. It actually makes it worse for them. Have you ever noticed people do that? Once in a while, I do see people do that. And I think it's a little bit of human nature. Like our goal, or not our goal, but probably God's goal for us, you know, giving us this this gift of language is that we as humans connect with other humans. Um, no matter where we're from, no matter what the accent, no matter where, you know, all of that, that we are meant to connect deeply with one another, you know, all gathered together. And so we kind of naturally want to be a part of this other person's life and maybe assimilating how we pronounce things to make them feel more comfortable and mm-hmm. us more like them. You know, if you if you spend any time, even like in Texas, we lived in Lubbock, Texas for a while while my husband was going to pilot training, and I started yawling. I don't yell. <laughs> I'm like, why am I yelling? Because and that's not yelling, by the way, for anybody who's struggling with vowels. It's not yelling, but y'all. Yeah. W, it's Y-A apostrophe L-L, which means you all. But in Texas, they say, hey, y'all. Hey, you all. Let's go or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just do that because we're trying to be accepted, included, all one, I think. Do you you work with people from all over the world that come to the United States and they're trying to improve their American accent to be able to converse better with others? But do you find do you find yourself working with people in America? Because in the U.S., I mean, you even knew that there's a Uper accent. Most people 
that don't live in Michigan, they have no clue what a youper is. So the fact that you said youper <laughs> accent, it's very impressive, but also says to me that you know your job and you know the accents in the United States. But do you coach people throughout the United States that maybe they are from Alabama and their southern accent is so thick, but they're trying to work with someone from Massachusetts or vice versa? Do you find yourself in that arena? Mm-hmm. I have. It's not very often that someone comes to me that wants to work on their accent because it's a regional accent and they're wanting it to be more neutral, more standard, which, by the way, the standard American accent is kind of like what broadcasters use mm-hmm. on radio and TV typically. And it's kind of that accent that is central, Midwestern, so maybe Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, that kind of region, mm-hmm. Indiana maybe, um, even though that's a little more eastern. But it's not too New York-y and it's not too Texas and it's not too Alabama and it's not too, you know, Minnesota. It's a neutral accent. And um, so I can work with people that have that desire, but I think more often someone who struggles with their accent and wants it to be more neutral tends to be in like the actor realm. Right, yeah. like they're they're from the south, but they want to play a, a New Yorker in an acting role or something. And I, so I don't work so much with those, but I know that there are others that specialize, especially with with doing that. But I could, I certainly could. It's often the vowels that mm-hmm. are very very different among the different regions in the U.S. Okay, so here's a random question: Do you find that there are people with specific specific accents that maybe have more favor? with other people or favor and companies. I just, I'm thinking of someone who has maybe a Massachusetts accent and it's very hard. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how much favor would they have with a company versus someone that maybe has a little bit more charm to them, like a, like a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Well, that's what a I'm good asking? question. It does. Yeah. And so this is just specifically native speakers. You're talking about the regional dialect. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, speakers. they can transfer yeah. over to English because if, uh, if uh, an, a British speaker comes over, I can see them having a little bit more favor than someone that has uh, yes. a North Carolina accent. Yes, that's right. Well, I, I think it probably varies a lot, you know, based on the, the person, the individual or the company that's hiring them, what they're kind of looking for. Sometimes I, I do think as far as foreign accents, the British um, English accent is generally favored. It sounds uh, cheerful and light and, fun. I don't know, charming. Yeah, it's, it's charming fun. and fun. Yeah, it's, yeah, so that's one that's in favor. I think Australian is also another that is very much liked, but it's harder to understand. Their vowels are way different and so sometimes we're still struggling and some of the slang you know uh the barbie is the grill you know Mm -hmm. things like that that we wouldn't understand so that might be a little harder but i i mean i think in general we just love all accents and then what i do find is that the there is like uh we get that impression off of someone based on their dialect or their accent so it sort of just depends on um, the situation, I think, which ones are most appealing and which ones are, are a little harder to understand. The more the rhythm and the intonation pattern is different from standard American English, the harder it is to understand and therefore the harder it is to love that accent. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it's no judgment against the person. I mean, this we have to also kind of separate um, I fear that so many people who are accented feel 
um, judged right away of who they are and what they're like and all that because of their accent. We do have to just kind of try our best not to assume anything more about someone just because of their accent. But, um, and I know some accented speakers feel judged like people don't think I speak English. But the problem there is that Americans are not educated that language is different than speech, Mm -hmm. right? You can totally be fluent in English Mm -hmm. with your vocabulary, your grammar, your syntax, all of that, but still be completely misunderstood because of your speech sounds and your rhythms and your intonation. So those are two separate things. But they sometimes an accented speaker will feel like they don't think I'm intelligent just because I have an accent. Well, that's the, that's the fault of education. We just need to educate everybody that, you know, no, they're absolutely a stereotype. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. There is a stereotype, like Southern accents. If you have a specific Southern accent, you're seen as yeah. and you're unintelligent. <laughs> yes, which yeah. is simply yeah. not true because there are a lot of very true. intelligent people that come from the South. That's right. Now, I want to get into the nitty gritty of just your uniqueness. We are all created unique on purpose or created for two reasons. That is to know God and to make him known. And the fact that you have a passion for speech and helping people with accents, where does that come from? I mean, have you just as a little, as a child, as a teenager, were you always like that? Or is this something new? Well, I think I have always just grown up being, um, my mother was a very compassionate person and my father passed away when I was five. And so my influence was mostly from her and she was always giving and helping and opening her home to, you know, people who didn't have anywhere to go on Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. I mean, she was just a wonderful person. She's since passed away. Anyway, I think I got a lot of influence on my compassion and empathy for other people through my upbringing. And at first I kind of thought going through college, I might want to be a social worker. And then I found out, boy, they don't make any money. I can contest. Yes. I like, I would love doing that, but I also worried about my heart because I knew you'd get in really some tough situations mm. there. But anyway, I have to be careful not to empathize so much that I'm like paralyzed. But, yeah. um, but anyway, so I, I looked into a more medical thing. I thought maybe physical therapy or, or nursing or something. But anyway, I landed with speech, uh, speech language pathology, got my master's degree there at the University of Illinois in that. And th- it was just that that knowing that we are to communicate, that's, that's also how we share God's love, right? We have to communicate with one another. And that if you could help someone get their voice back, go back out and, you know, recover from a stroke or whatever and speak again and connect with their family and say, I love you, you know, that that was just a, a real passion that I, that I had. But the, the actual, the thing that made me jump into accent versus just traditional speech pathology was I was giving a nurse a tour of our facility. I was working in Colorado Springs at the time, and a new hire a nurse was from the Philippines, and someone in management had asked me to tour our speech therapy department for her. So we did that, and at the end, she said to me, hey, can I ask you a question? She's very demure and sweet, you know, this lovely personality, but shy. And I said, sure, what can I do for you? And she said, could you help me with my accent? Oh, wow. And I thought, I'm like, well, what, what's wrong with your accent? You sound wonderful to me. I'm understanding everything. And I'd never, you don't get taught about accent in school. So mm-hmm. this was like new to me. And she says, oh, 
Listen, I get so terrified about going to, to work and talking to people because they don't understand me and people get frustrated and angry with me because we're in a hurry at the, you know, medical situations. You, it's a lot of pressure, right? And right. you've got to be quick. And she said, so I just go to work and I try and for nine years, I just go to work. I try and hide in the corner and not talk to anybody. And then I go home and sometimes I cry because I don't have many friends. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? You know, in my heart, I'm thinking, what is this? Anyway, I said, well, what's the real problem? She says, well, I mispronounce words. And then I try and spell out the word, which is a great strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Spell out the word, but then they don't understand the letters I'm saying. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she said, particularly the letter H, she pronounced it a little bit like Ej, Ej, and didn't quite have it. And I thought, well, let me see. You have to interview patients all the time. Do you ever use the word age? Like, what's your age? And she said, yes. I said, well, let me hear you say that word. And she said it perfectly, age. And I thought, well, oh, my gosh. There's only, I know as a speech pathologist, there's only one thing that she really has to change there. Well, and she had a vowel that was off a little bit, but two things. I'm like, sit down right now. Let me see if I can help you right now get that letter H. And we did it because all she has to do, H is, J is a voiced sound, J is the same sound, but with no voicing, mm -hmm. D-H and D-G. So anyway, I got her to say it perfectly. And it was her reaction that was just like, oh my gosh. Her eyes, well, I, I told her, I said, you did it. You did it. That was wow. perfect. And she, her eyes welled up with tears. Her face turned pink, and she was really almost ready to cry. She covered her mouth. I was like, oh, my gosh. How many other people are out there feeling such emotion and fear behind not knowing how to say the right sounds or change what they're doing, mm -hmm. to be clear? And so I felt like, you know, the Grinch with, that my heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> I was like, I have got to go find out everything I can do to make accent therapy, you know, accent uh, training happen and start a business to just see who I can help. So that's really where it all began. And it, well, obviously it was God and his love in me for other people that really fired, you know, fired me up to pursue this. And now as I work with people, we, we end up being the best of friends because they don't know anybody out there that knows how to help them. It's not mm -hmm. about going and taking more English classes. Mm -hmm. That's not it. It's someone specifically trained to do the accent work and get the speech sounds corrected and everything. And because I have such empathy, they feel that. That connection is very deep. And sometimes my students are... Christians and sometimes they're Muslims and sometimes they're Buddhists and it, it doesn't matter. It's all about God connecting us through love and empathy and, um, you know, being kind to one another. They sense that, I sense that. And whether we talk about God being in our midst, it's, he's there. We feel it, you know, and it's a, it's a love thing that you just, love for humanity, love for other people, and empathy for their struggles, wanting to pull them through so that they're finally on the other side of that, going, wow, ah, yay, I can just talk to anyone for any reason, <laughs> and I'm understood, and I love it, and now the relationships flourish, and, you know, it's just a, a whole new, a whole new world for them, so I love that. Well, and just like you said, the fact that you are showing empathy, that you are listening, that you're caring, that alone is being a witness because I wanted to know how you see God using your profession for his glory. And a lot of it is that. 
the fact that you're willing to be there and listen. That's right, that we are united, you know, that humanity, we are here for each other with God in our midst. And occasionally I'll have someone who I know is a Christian, maybe it's a Hispanic, you know, Latina or something, and she is Catholic or whatever, and she'll talk, talk to me about a struggle in her life or whatever. And I very often have the opportunity to say, well, I understand what you're going through and I'm going to pray for you. And they're so grateful, and, you know, it's just, that's an opportunity, too. And no matter their background, I can say, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but they don't have to be a Christian for me to, to find that opportunity to let right. them know God loves them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for you as well, and I'll pray for you. And You know, and it's not go. even, I mean, obviously, the Christian part of it, the trying to glorify Jesus and be a witness is number one. That is the most important thing that we want to do in any profession that we are in. But I think with mm-hmm. two, what you're doing is you're showing that Americans aren't as bad as what the media portrays them to be. (laughs) Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I'm hoping that that message gets across, too. And I actually think many of the people who are coming to the United States know that. But then there's just a few bad apples that are just, uh, they are abrupt or unkind and that's because of lack of education on their part right you know that you know we need to be more empathetic on both sides understand that this person is highly intelligent and amazing that they are speaking at least two languages fluently maybe three or four Mm -hmm. and you know and that uh we just we need to be patient or ask a, a question or offer a suggestion like if if they're struggling and they don't say the word correctly and you're baffled, but you're kind of good friends with them, you could say to them, were you trying to say this word and then, you know, model that for them so that they can learn in that moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Many tell me, I I wish someone would tell me I wasn't saying it right, you know, but that's awkward, you know, we aren't all teachers and we don't want to embarrass someone, so we just don't say anything. And ultimately, sometimes I've known some workplace situations that were really tense and awkward where people would literally just avoid this person because they couldn't understand him. He was from Brazil, an engineer, and they couldn't understand him. They were avoiding him completely. And he was like really getting depressed and all all kinds of consequences happened because people didn't know what to do with this awkward situation. That's kind of that elephant in the room. It's a problem Mm -hmm. that nobody knows how to resolve it so fortunately i was called in and was able to talk to hr and get this guy moved from this particular um, area he was working in to a different one with new people nicer people and and more compassionate people and then he really flourished and he moved up in his career and all great things happened so it was it's not just individuals that you work with but companies will call you on behalf of their employees they will oh that's absolutely yes Good In fact, most companies. of them, yeah, yeah, it is, it's wonderful. I mean, the most important thing a company has is their talent, right? And in order to retain your talent, you've got to invest in them. And if they've got great potential to really advance in their career, boy, that's a great time to call in someone who can do excellent coaching to give them that confidence and feedback and clarity they need to be more in a managerial position, overseeing a number of people, leading meetings or whatever, you know, that it's great for the company, you know, you invest in them and then they're potentially a lifetime 
um, employee that just moves up the ladder and performs even better for you. Yeah, they company. become better employees because of how well you're treating mm-hmm. them. So if someone yeah. is out there and they say, I could really use this coaching, how would they get a hold of you? Well, there's a couple of ways I would recommend. All my contact information is available through LinkedIn, so that's a good place to send everyone. But that's just, of course, LinkedIn.com and then slash I-N and then slash Ann Mackey, A-N-N-E-M-A-K-I. And then my website, I'd actually like to offer this to any of your audience members who are accented, non-native speakers. If they are intermediate level of English proficiency up to advanced and they're ready to work on accent work, if they would go to my website, I have a free download for them that's called the Free Speed Accent Training Guide. It's both PDF and audio file. That can give somebody a lot of tips on what you want to do um, and then it addresses the TH sound and the R sound because that's pretty much everyone that has to work on those. And then beyond that, after that's downloaded, then the website will take you to an invitation to have a 45-minute free consult with me. Mm. I call that the American Accent Success Checkup, where there's no obligation to buy anything, but just let me hear your accent. Let's get to know each other, and let me give you the tips on the things I hear are the most challenging why people don't understand you and what you can do to work on that individually, you know, through YouTube videos or whatever. And then I can offer some, you know, options uh, to work with me as an, as a backup if someone's interested. But that website is www.clearspeech, that's C-L-E-A-R-S-P-E-E-C-H, specialists, that's plural, S-P-E-C-I-A-L, ISTS.com, clearspeechspecialists.com. That's also available through LinkedIn. You can click on it there. And, and I'll make uh, sure mm-hmm. that I post uh, the website as well as the link to your LinkedIn right on uh, the show notes. And thank you oh, so much for just sharing your heart. And I, again, I find what you do just so fascinating. And I love that God is using <laughs> you. I mean, well, we live in a culture that I think still even in the 21st century where we think that only pastors and missionaries can make a difference in the lives of people and be used by Jesus when really God has placed us all in different areas of life. And really what you're doing is you're reaching the nations. Like you don't have to be this pastor or missionary to reach the nations. You're reaching the nations just by being an accent to coach. And again, I find that very fascinating, but is there anything else that you would like to add before we close? Oh, I don't think so. Just I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to meet you and talk more about this and hopefully give people hope out there. You know, that they're, if they're struggling, there are resources. And, uh, you know, it's all about us all connecting with God and Jesus and uh, making the world a better place because we're all connected together. I love that. Well, and thank you so much once again. You're so welcome. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> talk to you again. Thank you once again for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. I hope that this episode encouraged you that no matter where God has you, that call is an opportunity to reach people for Jesus. Make sure you connect and follow with Anne with the links that are in the show notes. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next time.